From the Old City, a practical Torah commentary by Gutman Lodge. Deuteronomy 1126, Ra'eh. His presence. This week's portion of the Torah mentions the phrase, the place where God will choose, some ten times. With various resting places along the way, this place turns out to be the location in Yushalayim where the two temples were built and where the final temple will soon come. However, at the point in time when the Torah is speaking, its location had not yet been revealed. We are told it is to that place that we are going to bring our sacrifices and tithes. On the holidays, we were to eat there before Hashem. We were to observe the festivals there, to celebrate, and to rejoice before Hashem with our every undertaking. There, we were to do all that we were commanded, to learn to fear Hashem, to remember you were slaves, to be completely joyous, and not to forget the Levi, and to seek out his presence. We are instructed how to sacrifice, eat, and rejoice. We know what we are commanded and how to learn so that we will come to fear God, as well as to remember the Levi. But how do we seek out his presence? In fact, what is his presence? The Torah tells us to come to this place where he will rest his name, and that this is the place where he will cause his presence to dwell. But wait a minute. God and his name are one. And we've already learned that he is everywhere at all times. So what does the Torah mean when it says to rest his name there and that he will dwell there? Certainly his name and his presence are everywhere at all times. To say otherwise would completely deny God's omnipresence. The Torah's word for his presence is Shekhinah. Its root comes from the word to dwell or abide. It can mean inhabitant or neighbor. It is also the root of the word for the Mishkan, the tabernacle. So if indeed God is the indweller, as the root states, is the Torah really saying that he dwells only on the Temple Mount? After all, we are told to go only to that place to seek his dwelling place. If God is everywhere, why should we seek him only there? Of course God's presence in his name filled the entire creation, but in the rest of the creation he is more hidden. In those places it is much more difficult to experience that indeed God is present. But surely he is there too. There is no place devoid of him. There is no more of God in a holy place than in an unholy place. He is not only the indweller, he is the outdweller as well. He is all. So what does the Torah mean when it says to go to the place where he dwells? The Shekhinah should not be translated as God's presence. It is God's revealed presence. Although on the Temple Mount there were areas designated as most holy, holy, and non-holy, still all areas were equally filled with God. But the most holy area, that's the Holy of Holies, radiated an even greater degree of revealed holiness than the holy area. And the holy area radiated an even greater degree of revelation than the non-holy area. 
and the non-holy area of the Temple Mount radiated a greater degree of revelation of his presence than the area just outside the Temple Mount. And Yushalayim radiated a greater degree of revelation than any other place in the world. Why does God do this? Since he is everywhere, why doesn't he show us his revealed presence wherever we look? By revealing his presence more here in Yushalayim, and this is even today when the temple is not standing, he directs us towards his Torah and his broad spiritual richness. When we find that holiness is evident here and not in the secular world, this guides us to what path to follow. So it is not just the experience of holiness that he wants us to seek, but to seek him and to learn all his ways. Blessed to give. The three holidays when all males must appear in Yushalayim are listed at the end of this week's Torah reading. They are Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot. These holidays follow the historical sequence and the spiritual sequence. Historically, first came God's taking us out of Egypt. This is celebrated during Passover, Pesach. Next came the giving of the Torah, which is celebrated on Shavuot. Then came the wandering in the wilderness when Hashem sustained us in Sukkot, booths. This is also the spiritual route we all take. First comes knowledge of God, which brings us out of bondage. Then we move on to learning His Torah, which teaches us the way to live. And finally, we see Hashem providing for all our needs. When we bring our holiday offerings, we are told that we shall not appear before Hashem empty-handed. Everyone according to what He can give, according to the blessing that Hashem, your God, gives you. The simple meaning here is that each of us should give according to how much God has given us. This recognizes the important lesson. All that we have has come to us from God's blessings. But with only a slight change in emphasis, this sentence can be read quite differently. Everyone bringing offerings will want to give an amount according to the blessing that he has received from God. The blessing spoken of here is not merely the blessing that God gave him so that he could acquire his property from which his offerings are taken. The actual amount he decides to give will be according to the blessing God has given him. Some people have been blessed with a lot of wealth, but they have not been blessed with the desire to give any of this wealth away. They will not want to give any of their blessings away. Other people have been blessed with less wealth, yet they have been also blessed to enjoy giving. These people will give even more than those who have a lot of property, but did not receive the blessing to give. It is a blessing to be able to give. Not only is it a blessing to have what to give, but it is also a blessing to want to give. There's more than one way to give. Yesterday, I was standing by the entrance to the hotel area, trying to get men to put on tefillin. Three tough-looking police officers walked in and ignored my invitation. They were senior officers, and as such, were not used to listening to other people tell them what to do. As they walked away from me and toward the hotel, I yelled out, Come, come! Sometimes a last-minute call can pull them in. 
A few minutes later, as they were leaving, a friend from the Tavillan booth tried his luck with them. The tough cop replied angrily, No, I'm not going to put on Tavillan, and you know why? He didn't wait for an answer. He was looking at me fiercely. He pointed his finger at me and harshly said, Because that guy over there called me a goy. That's why. A goy is an Anjou. I was helping someone with Tefillin and didn't really hear what was going on, but his look and finger did not feel good at all. After I finished with the guy I was helping, I asked my friend, what was that all about? He told me what the cop had said, and obviously I denied it completely. My friend suggested that I go find him and straighten it out. I said, he's the one who is spreading the malicious lie, not me. Let him come straighten it out with me. He said, well, he's not going to do that, and there's a Jew going away with a bad taste in his mouth. I immediately saw that he was right. I went out into the plaza area and walked around, trying to find him. There were some kind of police officers gathering there, and there were dozens of them around. I finally found him. He was talking on his mobile phone. When he saw me coming, he looked at me just like he did when he yelled at me. I waited, and he did not rush to get off the phone. He finished, and I explained... I didn't call you a goy, God forbid. I called out, boy, boy, come, come in Hebrew. Just then the other two officers walked by, looking at me just as they had when they thought that they heard me call him a derogatory name. He told them what I actually said, but still they didn't smile. He looked at me, apparently appreciative that I had walked over to explain, or maybe he was feeling bad over his mistake. He said, come, let's put on tefillin. We walked back to the tefillin stand, and I put tefillin on him. I felt so much love for him that I stroked the side of his face. After all, he could just as well have shrugged off my effort, but he didn't. He wanted to be nice. What's the point of this story? Being right is not the goal. Bringing peace is. Helping to Help a small group of Americans came to the hotel. Most of them did not want to put on tefillin. I went over and tried to convince one of them, but he wouldn't listen. He was stubborn. He walked away saying, I am just coming to the hotel to put a note there, and I am going to do it my way. I gave him the standard arguments such as, do it his way, but he wouldn't listen. A few minutes later, he came over to me and said that he wanted to put on tefillin. Apparently, he had thought about it and changed his mind. This is a good lesson when trying to help people. Even if you do not see the results immediately, do not be discouraged. You never know what good you may have done. When he finished and prayed nicely, I told him that I was going to go over and ask his friend to put them on. No, he insisted. That guy won't do it. He is really against it. Then you tell him to do it, I said. You had a good time, so go share that with your friend. Sure enough, he spoke to his friend, and the other young man listened to him. He came over with a small smile, saying that if his friend said to do it, then he was going to do it. He, too, had a good time. After the second young man walked away, one of the men who works at the booth told me that he had spoken to that young man and that this was the first time in his life he ever put on tefillin. By then, the group was standing by the hotel. I walked over to them and told the first guy, with the others listening, look what you just did. It says if you put on tefillin only once in your entire life, it saves you from the deepest punishment in the afterlife. You, I patted him on his chest, helped your friend to put on tefillin. Because of you, he did this mitzvah. And this was the first time in his life that he ever put on tefillin.
You saved your friend from the deepest punishment. What a wonderful thing to do. Boy, did he smile. How happy he was that he had helped his friend. Then one of them said, That was the first time I ever put them on too. How great it is to be able to help people. But it is even greater to help people to help people. There is one dot com.